Good morning, everyone. Great to see you all today. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, that you are here with us right now. We thank you, Lord, for our salvation. And Lord, we thank you that when you save us, you call us as we are, but you seek to change us so that we may be more like Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that for each of us, you would help us to hear what you are saying to us individually so that we may change our lives, so that we may reflect Jesus to this dark world. Amen. Happy December, everyone. It's come round quick, hasn't it, eh? Is it just me, or does Christmas seem to arrive particularly early? Because it feels like it's been December for a very long time. I've got a theory on this. I think it's simply because people are looking for some colour and some glitter at a time when, well, politicians are just sucking the life out of the country, aren't they? You know, they're even trying to destroy Christmas now. Uh, so I think people are just looking for something to add a bit of colour and a little bit of excitement in uh, what is getting to be a really difficult time. Uh, as we approach Christmas, my wife has just reminded me uh, next weekend is uh, Small Business Independent Saturday and we want to encourage you to shop local and to where possible shop independently because if you don't do that what happens? They all shut. They all shut yeah. And everyone's moaning about Debenhams going but if you don't shop there why would they keep it here? And that applies to every single small independent shop that you see around town. <coughs> And we have some great shops around town. We have some really good little independent shops. I would encourage you this Christmas, as far as possible, shop local. And I know some people have already been doing it because they put it on Facebook. Haven't you, Sarah? Well done. <laughs> Gold star to Sarah Ratcliffe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, give her a round of Go on, go on. <laughs> so let me encourage you to do that. Anyway, moving on. So. Here we are, the last in our series around uh, Head, Heart and Hands, and I hope you've enjoyed the series, but more than that, I don't want you to enjoy it. I want you to have done something with what you've heard and what you've done, because hopefully you've all done your shape. You've answered the questions on the, that website, We Are Making Disciples, and you've uh, thought about where you are with God, and you've got a little shape for you to reflect on. And the reason for that isn't just a bit of fun. I mean, some of it is a little bit of fun, but it's to help you to think about where you are with Jesus. It's to help you think about whether you are still growing to become like Jesus. Because that's what we are called to. We are called disciples, and disciples were people who followed rabbis around and tried to copy them as best they could. And today I want to think about those two words, follow and copy. What does that actually mean for us today? And all of this is all about helping you grow. I'm going to talk all the way through this about the importance of you growing. So you know, um, we're all here today because I assume you love Jesus. Otherwise, why, would, why on earth would you spend an hour and a half here? Or actually, with this sermon, two hours, I'm just warning you. Um, <laughs> Rob was not wrong. Um, why would you spend time here unless you loved Jesus? And as nice as you all are, 
simply being with you wouldn't be enough to make you come out on a Sunday morning, would it? We all love Jesus. And we're called to be like Jesus. In, um, Acts, sorry, in Matthew uh, chapter 8, there's a little line that says this. I'll read it to you. Uh, it's verse 34. Then Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And we always focus on the last half of the, that verse. That as disciples, we deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow Jesus. What's the first part that I just want to briefly focus on? It says, Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples. See, Jesus always had interested observers following him around. Ooh, who's he going to heal today? Is he going to cast out a demon? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? But he also had his disciples with him. And it's really easy to be part of church to come to church on a regular basis and simply be an interested observer. It's really easy to kind of be at a distance, wondering what Jesus is going to do today, and not actually be a follower of Jesus like the disciples. Now, if you are a Christian, if you accept Jesus into your life, then you are, first and foremost, a disciple. You have chosen to come close to Jesus. You've chosen not to be at a distance watching, but to come close to Jesus, to follow him and to copy him. See, disciples were always close to the rabbi. We've heard it in the sermon series. Uh, one writer described how there was a phrase in Jesus' time that disciples would follow the rabbi so close that the dust from the rabbi's feet would be covered on their clothes. That's how close they had to be. In fact, some disciples took it so extreme that even when their rabbi went to the toilet, they were there, following and copying. We are called to that level of closeness with Jesus. That level of intimacy with Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. We are not one of the crowd. You are not at a distance just watching, passive, observing. We are called to be close to Jesus, following him, copying him in every aspect of his life. It's really hard to sometimes define what discipleship is. And uh, I've seen lots of different definitions but there's one that I use a lot because I'd simply like it. It's a well-written definition, but uh, it's, it's one that I think covers what def, uh, discipleship is. And a guy from uh, Gordon MacDonald, he wrote these words. He said this, and he's talking about what it means to be a mature disciple. Now, mature in my book does not mean the churchly. Those who have mastered the vocabulary and litany of church life, who come alive only when the church doors open, Rather, I have in mind those who walk through all the corridors of the larger life, the marketplace, the home, the community, the playing fields, and do it in such a way that sooner or later it is concluded that Jesus' fingerprints are all over them. And I love that phrase, that Jesus' fingerprints are all over them, because fingerprints are entirely unique. They represent something of the DNA of that person. 
And we are called to carry the DNA of Jesus wherever we go. In your home, in your workplace, in your school or college, in the places where you simply hang out, you are meant to show that you have Jesus all over you in every aspect of your life. In the way that you treat people, in the way that you talk about others, in the way that you view life, your worldview, in the values that you hold. All of those things should reflect Jesus. And all too often, we don't, do we? Because this whole journey of becoming like Jesus is a lifetime journey. And we may never get to that point where we can say 100% yeah, 100% we're like Jesus. But we should be becoming more and more like Jesus every single day. That's what we are called to do. And so I want for a moment just to reflect on those two words, follow and copy, and think about what they mean to us today. So in Jesus' time, the disciples would literally follow the rabbi wherever he went. And we see that, don't we, in the Gospels with Jesus. Jesus is roaming all around Galilee, going from village to village to town to town, and his disciples are with him. All, all the way, every step of the way, unless he sends them off to sort out a donkey or two. We are called to follow Jesus wherever he goes. And that for me has two implications. The first one is this, that we go at his speed. We go at his speed. See, it's really easy in our growth, in our desire to be like Jesus, to either lag behind Jesus or to go ahead of Jesus. Both of which create distance from Jesus when we are meant to be close to Jesus instead. We lag behind when we know Jesus is calling us to do something and we think, oh, I'm not sure about that. I don't think I want to do that. And we start to step back from Jesus and we create distance. We create distance by our disobedience. So it could be that Jesus is saying to you that you need to share your faith with someone. And you're one of those people who just think, I can't do that. I don't like doing that. And you slowly just step back. And Jesus is calling us forward and we're going backwards. It could be that Jesus is calling to forgive someone. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. And so you lag behind Jesus. There are others who rush ahead of Jesus. And I see that sometimes with new Christians. They get so excited about what Jesus has done for them. And they see what Jesus does in the, in the Gospels. And they're like, wow, healing the sick. I want to do that. And they rush off and they're trying to do all that stuff. But what they forget is that there is more to following Jesus than simply the supernatural. There's also our character. And Jesus wants to deal with that as well. And so they rush off trying to do things and Jesus says, no, 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 no. Come back. We need to sort your character out as well. And I've seen too many young Christians crash and burn because they've tried to do stuff without sorting out their character first. 
And maybe today you're one of those Christians who's simply lagging behind you. You know you're not growing. You know you've plateaued in your Christian faith because there are areas of your life where you're choosing not to follow Jesus. And the more you choose not to follow Jesus, the further away you get because Jesus is always moving. He never stops still. Maybe you're rushing ahead because you want to sort some things out in your life. You want to start doing what Jesus did. You want to get something going in church. And Jesus is trying to put you back saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's sort this out as well. Let's sort out your character. Let's sort out what you're doing with your money. Let's sort out what you're doing with forgiveness. Let's think about how you're treating people. Because unless you are doing Jesus' things, Jesus' way, you are always going to crash. To follow means to go at his speed, but it also means to go in his direction. See, Jesus, when he was wandering around Galilee, wasn't wandering aimlessly. He had a purpose. He knew where he was going. He was going to Jerusalem. He was going to be crucified. He knew where he was going to go and he knew what was going to happen to him. See, Jesus' direction was always to one of self-sacrifice. And as we heard in Matthew 8, we are all called to pick up our cross, deny ourselves in following Jesus. And the direction which Jesus takes us is always one of self-sacrifice. problem with us we just think "Ooh, not sure here's some nice comfortable things I can be doing Jesus let's go over this way let's be safe over here and Jesus saying no come this way the reason why most churches don't get engaged in mission is simply because they choose comfort over sacrifice Jesus is always leading us forward to our place of denial, of sacrifice. That's what it means to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. And all too often we choose to go our own way. We want to do our things. We want to do the things that keep us happy, comfortable, safe. Following Jesus means going at his speed and his direction. But following Jesus has a purpose. We are called to be close to Jesus for one reason only, that we learn how to copy him. That we start doing the things that Jesus did. And you can only do the things that Jesus did if you are close enough to see what he's doing. That's the whole point of the whole rabbi-disciple relationship. They are close enough to see what the rabbi was doing. And what the disciples learn from Jesus and what we need to learn from Jesus as we seek to be followers of him is to be like him in our actions, our character and our attitude. I chose our reading today for, for one specific reason. Well, there's a couple of reasons, I guess. It's scripture. That's one reason. Uh, but the r- real reason is that it says twice in that passage 
that we are to be like Jesus in our supernatural ministry. It says it twice, right at the beginning. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. And then he sends out the 12 a bit later on. He's called him, he's named them, he's called them to him and he sends them out and he says this. Proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. That is the ministry that Jesus had and he gives that ministry to his disciples and who are his disciples, not just the 12 but all of us. He gives that ministry to his disciples to actually do. He sends them out to do that. And we are called to a supernatural ministry. We are called to live a life that was like Jesus in every way, including that way. And tonight in our, uh, in our Grow series, we're going to be thinking about how do we grow in spiritual power? That's what we're going to focus on tonight. We are called to be like Jesus in our actions. But also in the way that Jesus treated people. Jesus came as a servant. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, this is what he said to them afterwards. He said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. We are called to service and we are called to supernatural ministry, not just one of those things. We are called to both. And we are called to serve not just our brothers and sisters here, but to serve our communities, our towns, the whole world. Because that's how Jesus served. And so we are called to be like Jesus in our action, we are called to be like Jesus in our character. Jesus was an incredibly attractive person. And I don't mean that physically. I mean that in a sense that people wanted to be with him. They weren't just there to see whether he healed someone or cast out a demon. They were drawn to follow him by the kind of person he was. And we're called to be like that. That's why... It, we, we heard it recently in Galatians. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. These are good things, and they're good things because they are the Jesus way of living life. That's how Jesus lived his life. And the fruit of the Spirit is what should grow in us as we seek to follow Jesus. We can't make that happen. You can help, but ultimately, it is a supernatural act within us. God working in us. If any of you tried to be nice just for 24 hours? It's not easy. I find it really hard. Some of you might be better at it than me. Maybe you can go for two days. Some of you, I know, are a lot worse than me. We need God to do a work in us. To be like Jesus isn't something that we simply choose to do. We do choose, but we also need God at work in us to make us like Jesus. So that our character displays the character of Jesus. So that when people see us, they see Jesus' fingerprints all over the way we are 
all over the way we treat people, all over the way we talk about people. And the third thing is this, we are called to be like Jesus in our attitudes. Philippians 2.5 says this very bluntly, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. In other words, we should be of the same mind, of the same opinion as Jesus. I hope you are praying about who you should vote for in a couple of weeks' time. That should be a thing that you pray about and you seek God for his opinion so that your opinion can be aligned with him. That you don't just simply vote for who you've always voted for. You need to seek the opinion of God. And we may all come to different conclusions around that because in the end we all choose to try and listen to God in different ways. But being of the same attitude as Christ Jesus means that we are of the same mind as him. And so we are called to copy Jesus in our behaviour, our character and our attitude. That is a lifelong journey. It covers every aspect of our life. How you handle money, how you handle people, how you handle your, the, your purpose in life, your work, your career, your family. All of that is what discipleship covers. When people look at how you treat your kids, they should think, wow, that's different, that's godly. When people look at how you deal with your career, they should think, wow, look at that, that's different. That's, that sense says something about Jesus. When people see your attitude to this town, and let's face it, most people's attitude to the place where they live, wherever that is, stinks. We should love Southport as much as we love anyone else. Because Southport is people, and those people deserve to be loved. And people should look at us and say, what, why do you love Southport so much? And our answer should be, because Jesus loves Southport. And the fingerprints of Jesus are all over my life. His DNA courses through my body. But let me ask you a question. We've thought about how you copy Jesus. But let me ask you this question. Who is copying you? You know, what? That's a bit of a strange question. Maybe we are thinking about Jesus and copying him. Now I'm asking you, who is copying you? See, St. Paul says this, and he says it twice in 1 Corinthians. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's in uh, chapter 11. In chapter 4, he says this, imitate me. Wow, arrogance or what? But what he's saying is, I am seeking with all my heart to be like Jesus. I am a physical embodiment of what it means to try to the best of my ability to be like the one who we serve. And in that regard, copy me. In Hebrews, again, it says it twice. Hebrews 6, we do not want you to become lazy. Wow, that's quite strong, isn't it? But to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Hebrews chapter 13, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 
See, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you've already started to work through what it means to be like Jesus today in this context, in this place. All of us are doing this translation of taking what Scripture says, and it was written 2,000 years ago, and translating it into the modern context. We are all doing that. And God provides us with a shortcut. Look at those who've already worked it out. Copy them. Because as they are trying to copy me, you can copy them. And so the question I'm asking you is, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you should have people around you who think, wow, they are so like Christ, I want to be like them. I look back when I was a new Christian, there were certain people who I wanted to be like. We had a retired um, vicar called Alan who just knew scripture. I mean, he loved scripture. He'd memorized scripture. He wrote about it. He had a couple of um, booklets printed. I thought, I want to be like him. I started to copy some of the things he did. When I started to preach almost 30 years ago, I had people who I was copying. I was learning what to do all the time by seeing how others were trying to copy Jesus and copying them. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you may feel that your growth has started to plateau. Your growth has started to just flatten off a little bit. It's harder to grow and become more like Jesus. I can guarantee this. If you seek to mentor other people who are younger in the faith than you, you will have your faith challenged in all sorts of ways and you will grow. They will grow and you will grow. Everyone's a winner. So who is copying you? Can you look at your life and think, yeah, there's areas in my life where I know I've done all right. It's not perfect, but I've learned some things that I've put into practice. Is there someone I can help in that area? That is the reason why we encourage you to be part of a missional community. Because together, you can learn from one another. Together, in a community, you can see, all right, that person's learned how to pray properly, I'll learn from them. But this person's learned how to manage their finances, I'll learn from them in that regard. And so you go on learning from other people. And then passing that on to others. Jesus, in our reading today, calls the twelve to him. I love the fact that they're all named. Every single one of them is named. They are called individually as we are. And then in Matthew 28, he says, Go out and make disciples of all nations. What do you think they have in mind? They have in mind the way that Jesus did it. Call people to you and say, come with me. So who is copying you? Who are you just walking alongside for a little bit? Who are you feeding into their life? Who are you investing in? You know, it's not an easy thing to do, to give someone time and space and energy. A friend of mine, he took a young Christian under his wing and it lasted for a few months and for some reason the whole thing went pear-shaped. This young Christian just turned against them and it was just, it was messy. 
And he just said, I'm never doing that again. I wonder what Jesus would have done. After all, quite a few people turned against Jesus. And he never stopped inviting people to follow him. It's not an easy thing to do. That's why it will help you grow. Doing the easy things will never help you grow. Doing the things that are uncomfortable, that are difficult, will always put you in a place where you struggle, but become stronger and will grow. Our natural inclination is to walk away from those things. And yet those are the very areas of your growth. Who is copying you? So how do we move forward with all this? Here we are at the end of our sermon series. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Oh, all right, what's next week? Under what we do, do next week? Well, it's Christmas. You know what's going to happen next week, okay? We're talking about Christmas. Uh, do not simply move on to that without taking the time to think through how you are going to grow. That's what all this is about. We here at Christ Church want everyone in Christ Church to be a growing Christian, to become more like Jesus. That's what I mean by growth. Not that you know more of the Bible, but that you grow to be like Jesus in every aspect of your life. I, as you know, I know I'm a Mary Dean, I do things with new wine, all that kind of stuff. And with every church I've ever encountered, the problems that that church faces can be solved by addressing one simple thing. Well, it's not simple, because if it's simple, they do it. It's not simple. That one thing is discipleship. Discipleship. It is the key to everything. It is what we are called to make disciples. And yet we don't. We simply make the crowd. We are called to forge people into the likeness of Christ. And so churches that have become inward-looking and just focused on their own problems, if they took discipleship properly and took it seriously, they would be doing mission. Every church that has financial problems, I can point to one reason why they've got financial problems, people aren't giving. That is a discipleship issue. If you look at churches that have split and fractured and all those kind of things. There's one issue. They've not learned to love one another with the same love that Christ loves them with, and that's a discipleship issue. They have not grown enough to be like Jesus to overcome all those issues. It is the biggest thing that we need to address. It's the only thing we need to address. Everything else falls into place when you take discipleship seriously. And when, by that I mean that we are all growing to be more and more like Jesus. Can you imagine what it would be like if Christians actually became more like Jesus and didn't just simply settle for where they were? What kind of impact would we be having in, in the places where we work? What kind of impact would we be having on our communities? What kind of impact would we be having on all the problems that our nation faces right now? If we only took seriously the desire of Jesus that we'd be like him, things would start to fall into place much better. So what can you practically do? Let me encourage you, 
if you've done your questions on the, on the website and got your shape, don't just think, oh, right, I'm a bean, great, and put it to one side. Spend time looking at the questions, praying over what God might be saying to you through them, looking at your weak areas, and do something with it. That's the whole point of a question. It's not like those things on Facebook. Oh, look, I'm meant to be like a unicorn or something. You know, you are meant to be doing something with this. Otherwise, there's no point to it. It is simply a guide, a pointer to areas in which God might be saying, you need to deal with this area. So go back to that question there. Look at all the questions. Ask God to pinpoint something that he wants you to deal with. That's one thing. Secondly, think about your everyday life. Think about all the places that you go to, what you do with your time during the week. Think about who you connect with. About five years ago, uh, the biggest challenge I knew I had was that all the people I connected with was Christians. And that's lovely in one sense, but it's not what we're called to do, is it? I wasn't living a missional life. And so I chose to do something about that. And Andrew will tell you that I am the most connected I have ever been to non-Christians in all of my time as a Christian. And it's, it's great. I love it. I'm an introvert. Meeting people, meeting new people is hard work for me. And yet I've, st- I've learned how to love meeting new people. And so I would encourage you, think through what you do with your week. Who are you connecting with? And in those places, particularly where you're connecting with non-Christians, ask yourself, can people see the fingerprints of Jesus all over me? What do I need to do to change that? If that is not an area of growth for you, I'd be very surprised. Maybe you need to think about how you are serving We are called to be people who serve, serve church, serve our community. And there are all over the place areas in which you can serve. I mean, if you ask me about this church, I can give you a list as long as your arm of all sorts of areas where we are looking for people to serve. Whether it's our children and youth work or the sound desk or all sorts of things. We are always, always looking for people. So maybe that's part of something that you want to think about. Or maybe you think, well, maybe the area I can serve in is out in the community. So I connect with non-Christians. So I kind of create new relationships in which I can share my faith. There are all sorts of activities and charities that are always looking for volunteers. Go and serve. And do it in such a way that people recognise that you have the fingerprints of Jesus all over you. Think about how you give. There is one key factor. If you want to assess your spiritual life, think about how you use money. Where are you spending it? How are you using it? Are you giving to Jesus what rightly belongs to him? And I would encourage you to review your giving regularly so that you are giving in line with what Jesus calls you to give. Think about who you are influencing. 
Who do you need to walk alongside with for a little bit? So that you can feed into their life. So that you can invest in them. It's one of the things that most churches don't get right at all. Because we all come to think, right, you know, church is for me. I want to get something out of church. And yet there gets the point for all of us where we don't get much out of church. I'm one of those people. I enjoy the worship. But to be honest, I've heard so many sermons in my life. I think I've heard them all. All now we get the different variations of sermons I've heard before. I grow by giving and serving. I grow by investing in others. It's what you give into something that allows you to grow most effectively. And yes, we all need times where we receive from others. But we need to change our attitude to that. To think about, it's not about what I receive. It's about what I give. I may sound kind of contradictory, but it's actually in giving that you'll receive the most. It's in giving that you'll grow the most. So what do you need to do? How can you grow to be more like Jesus? How can you shape your life differently? And even after, after all these, these weeks, nine weeks that we've had, and you've done the shape and all that kind of stuff, and you still think, I don't know, I feel, still feel stuck. Come and see me or Rob or Simon, and we would love to spend a bit of time with you and talk to you and ask you questions about what you can do to grow in your life. We're here to do that. Because we know by doing that, we will actually grow as well. That's the wonderful thing about God's economy. When you give into other people that way, you grow. So what are you going to do? Don't just move on from this series of sermons. Think, wow, it's Christmas. Let's focus on that. There's something more important than Christmas. And that is that you become more like Jesus. Would you stand, please? And let's just be quiet for a moment. And I just want to create a little bit of space where maybe the Holy Spirit can just speak to you. Speak to you about an area of your life where you need to grow and develop. About what you need to do in order to grow and develop in that area. Just take a little bit of time to just be aware of what you think that God might be saying to you. And maybe as a response to what you think God is saying to you, you might think, I'd love someone to pray for me around this area. And there'll be people who are stood over by the windows who will pray with you. Our, our ministry team will be there to pray for you, whatever it is you want prayer for. I think I kind of feel today that God really wants to bring healing into some people's bodies. And um, I think there's something about uh, I've got right legs and uh, I think some, some people have a problem with their right knee and some people may have a problem with their, their right foot not their ankle but their foot maybe you might want to receive prayer for healing today 
someone here, I think, is, is you've struggled with headaches for a little while, maybe even a couple of weeks. It just seems to be a recurring thing, comes and goes, comes and goes. Why not receive prayer for that today? I think someone feels like they've developed a, a breathing problem recently. It feels like your breathing's become irregular. You can't control it. And if that's you, why not receive prayer? So I'm going to pray. Uh, the ministry team will be at the side. Do please join the worship. Just come out and receive prayer today. Father, we want to thank you that you call us to be like your son. You call us to, be, to follow him and to not to follow from a distance, but to be so close we see him and we see him enough to be able to copy him. To copy him in our attitude, in our character, and our actions. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be like Jesus. That there wouldn't be one part of our lives where we're not growing to be, to be living life how he would live it. So Lord, we pray now that you would help us. Help us, Lord, to grow to never stagnate, to never plateau, but to keep moving forward with him. In Jesus' name, amen.